Alhamdulillah, tonight is the 6th of June in the year 2023. And Alhamdulillah, we moved on to the 44th night that we're going through the exalted and dear life of the illustrious companion, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu. And I'm going through the reports in which we're taking a glimpse into his phenomenal taqwa and humility. And the last thing I mentioned was his ruling with regards to a pregnant woman whose husband dies. And the correct ruling there is that the widow who's pregnant, she has to wait until the child is delivered. And then she waits until the postnatal bleeding ends and then she can remarry. I should have also mentioned that this does not necessarily mean that the time is always shorter than four months and ten days because the pregnancy could go on longer than four months and ten days. And in that case, then the timing increases over the four months and ten days, i.e. for the in the period for the pregnant woman whose husband has passed. In continuation, however, if on the rare occasions in which Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud did err, he would thereupon immediately without hesitation and all humility retract his verdict. So the only one who was protected from error was Rasulullah So no matter how great the companions were, they're human. And to err is human as they say. But when this great man realized he'd made an error without any pride and with all humility, he would retract his verdict. For instance, Imam Malik in his Muwatta number 1132. Imam Malik, he related this from more than one narrator. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he was asked about the religious verdict whilst he was in Kufa as to marrying a woman after her daughter if she, i.e. the daughter, had not been touched, i.e. sexually. He gave permission to do so. So what was the question? The question was that a man has got married but he hasn't had any sexual intimacy with the woman he's married and after he divorces can he marry the daughter of the woman who's passed? So Ibn Mas'ud said yes. Then Having reached Al-Madina, Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud was told something contrary to this. As conditions are only set for the stepmothers, i.e. not the women's biological mothers. Upon this, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud immediately returned to Al-Kufa. He did not enter his home until he had come to the man to whom he had given the religious verdict and commanded him to part with his wife. 
So what happened? He gave the ruling in Kufa, in Iraq. And when he traveled to Al-Madinah, he was given knowledge that this was not correct. This was only in reference to stepmothers, not biological mothers. So now think about that. He's, he's sinless. Obviously, he'll get a reward like the famous hadith mentions. If a judge strives and comes to an incorrect ruling, he gets one reward. He had so much taqwa. He couldn't rest in Al-Madinah. He immediately goes back to Kufa. Finds that man. He goes, divorce your wife. Meaning, I've made a mistake. Who did he hear this from? The one from whom he heard contrary was the noble companion Zayd ibn Thabit. In Imam Malik, Rahmatullah's Muwatta, number 1131, Yahya ibn Sa'id, he said, Sayyidina Zayd ibn Thabit was asked about a man who married a woman, then divorced her before having sexual contact with her, if her mother is now lawful to him to marry. Zayd ibn Thabit said, No. The mother, i.e. the biological mother, i.e. of the divorced wife, is prohibited unconditionally, but conditions are set for the stepmothers. <laughs> so Zayd ibn Thabit, he had knowledge of what Ibn Masood had not, and he said, no, the biological mother of the divorced wife is prohibited immediately upon marriage. <laughs> But if it's a stepmother, there's a concession. So let's put it simply. Simply put, the stepmother of the divorced or deceased daughter with whom no intercourse has taken place is allowed. Have you understood? The stepmother of the divorced or deceased daughter with whom no intercourse has taken place is allowed. But if it is the biological mother, it is forbidden. <laughs> Indeed, it clearly mentions in the glorious Quran that one of those whom one is forbidden to marry is in Surah An-Nisa, Surah 4, verse 23. And it's a long verse, the relevant part of the Bilaim and Shaitan regime. The mothers of your women are your wives. So Allah gives a list of all those women that are forbidden for you to marry. And what does he say clearly? Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa ummahatun nisa'ikum. The mothers of your women. Those all the blessed scholars, Rahimahumullah, have agreed that as soon as a man executes his marriage contract on a woman, then her biological mother permanently becomes forbidden to him. Even if he did not perform intercourse with her, i.e. the daughter, if you understood. So if you marry immediately upon the nikah, even if you divorce, you haven't touched that woman, her mother has become haram for you forever. With regards to whether one can marry one's stepdaughters after the death of their biological mothers, then we have the following very interesting report. So what's happened? You married a woman and it's not her daughter. It's her stepdaughter. Have you understood? It's not her daughter. Can you marry the stepdaughter? So there's a report. 
in Abdul Razak ibn Abi Hatim and Sheikh al-Bani rahmatullah alayhi states sahih in his Irwa ul-Ghalib number 1880 Malik ibn Aws ibn Hadathan rahmatullah alayhi said I had a wife who bore me children and she passed away which grieved me immensely I thereupon met Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu he said what is wrong with you I said my wife has died He thereupon asked, did your wife have a daughter? I replied, yes, she resides in Taif. He asked, was she ever in your custody? I, when you had married her mother, was she ever living with you? I said, no. He thereupon said, marry her. I then asked in surprise, but what about Allah Ta'ala's prohibition? And he recited Surah Nisa, Surah 4, verse 23. وَرَبَائِبُكُمُ الَّتِي فِي حُجُورِكُمْ مِنْ نِسَائِكُمْ Your stepdaughters who are under your custody, born of your wives. Is what about that verse? Ali radiyallahu said, Indeed, she was not under your custody. Verily, that applies only if she lived in your dwelling. I grew up with you. Because you can marry her. So now, apart from this, we're going to break it down here. What does that tell you about that auspicious time? They were living in Quran. We haven't got a clue. You know, if you just listen to their conversation, you think, what are you talking about? So this shows that they were connected. We need to be connected to the Quran. Because how can you live according to the commands without knowing the Quran? So what happened? This man lost his wife, many children. So obviously he's upset. Why? Because he's got children as well. He's thinking, I've, got, you know, I've lost my wife and the kids as well. So Ali, what did he say? He goes, did your wife, deceased wife, did she have a daughter? And obviously he's not referring to his own daughter. Step, your stepdaughter, did she have, does she have a daughter? So he said, yes, she, she lives in Taif. What was the question he then asked? Was your stepdaughter ever in your custody? Did she ever live with you? Was she with you, with her mother living with you, ever? He goes, no. He goes, Maria then. Maria. And the man, because he was well versed, he goes, what about the verse? Your stepdaughters who are under your custody, born of your wives, he goes, isn't there a clear prohibition? He said, she was not under your custody. Verily, that only applies if she lived in your dwelling. So putting it simply, a stepdaughter who did not live in her stepfather's house is only temporarily prohibited to him as long as he is married to her mother. So there's actually some categories that are temporarily forbidden. They can become halal for you. So again, a stepdaughter who did not live in her stepfather's house is only temporarily prohibited. Why? Because obviously he can't marry her until his wife dies. As long as he is married to a mother. But of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So not here, even the great Ibn Mas'ud, he made an error. <laughs> but notice how quickly he retracted it. He wasn't persisting upon the error like some people do. He goes, oh no, no, brother, I'm sure there's other text. <laughs> Straight away, and look what he did. He left Al-Madinah. He went all the way back to Kufa, which was not a small fee, just to correct what he had said. <laughs> Returning to the subject at hand. 
It is related that somebody once asked Abdullah ibn Mas'ud for advice. And he said, Whoever shows you the truth, accept it from him. Even if you hate him and do not know him. Similarly, whoever shows you falsehood, reject it even if he is your closest friend. This is my advice. Recorded by Hafiz ibn al-Jawzi in his Sifat al-Safwa 1-419. So look how beautiful. He would look at the person asking the question and he would give the appropriate answer. So when the man asked him, he knew this person. He wanted advice. This was the advice he gave because he had a problem here. He said, if somebody gives you the truth, even if you hate him or don't even know him, accept it. So basically, imagine... Let's put it blunt there. Somebody you hate for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Dawkins. He says something and it's true. Ibn Masood accept it. It's true. Whether you hate him and you don't even know him, accept it. But if somebody shows you falsehood, reject it. Even if it is your closest friend, it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's wrong, it's wrong. So this is something that we need to imbibe into our lives. I'm sorry, just to mention the previous report, you should have asked me. Why was Ali asking that man to marry his stepdaughter? You should have asked me, if you were listening. Well, you know, if you think about it, it's very... Well, they have children, uh, children, they? Yes. They needed a mother figure to look after them. Very good. Any other reason? Since he was missing his wife, so she resembled his wife. Thoroughly. There you go. So, obviously, the daughter will resemble the mother. Now look how strange that is. You know, if you think about it without looking at the Sharia, can I marry the daughter of my deceased wife? It's not your daughter, is it? <laughs> right? So again, note, it's not what you logically think sometimes. Allah has given, you know, certain rulings here. So again, you know, I, want, I should have mentioned that. Returning to this report, as always, there is no place for one's nafs in the matter of Sharia. If somebody's right, he's right. If he's wrong, he's wrong. doesn't matter whether you love him, he's wrong. <laughs> what did uh, Hafiz ibn Kaim say? Rahmatullah. He said, we love our Sheikh ibn Taymiyyah. Rahmatullah. But we love the truth more. Why did he say that? Because he's imbibing what Ibn Matul is saying. He goes, if somebody's wrong, it doesn't matter if he's your Sheikh, he's wrong. But be honest, how many Marids have that quality? <laughs> You say something about the sheikh, you're not disrespecting the sheikh. He said, look, you know, we're all human. He, he might be a slip of the tongue, but he said this, and that's not right. Oh, look how they react. No, you can't say that. And then you said, look, brother, you're getting, now you're getting, you know, this is not part of the deen. Truth is truth. You know, you love your sheikh, but you love the truth more. Those Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, what did he say? Whoever has some knowledge, let him speak. Whoever does not have knowledge, let him say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to his beloved Prophet, <coughs> Surah Sa'd, Surah 38, verse 86. <laughs> say, I وسلم, do not ask you for any reward for this. And I وسلم, am not one to invent and add extra things. 
This is in Sayyih Bukhari, Sayyih Muslim, Dalimi 1.62, Behaqi in his Madkhal, number 797, Hafiz ibn Abd al-Bar in his Jami Bayan al-Ilm, 2.51, Ibn Katir's Tafsir. So let's break this down. So what did the great Ibn Masood say in this Sayyih Hadith? Because if you've got knowledge, speak, meaning share the knowledge. If you haven't got knowledge, somebody, you know, goes, then just say Allah Ta'ala knows best. Somebody asks you, I don't know, Allah Ta'ala knows best. Then he quoted a proof. Now, what's interesting? What proof did he quote for this? He's a proof. But he says, Allah the Almighty, he says to his Prophet, now think about that. If anybody could just speak of the kuf, was the Prophet But he says, Allah Ta'ala says to his beloved, tell them, I do not ask you for any reward for this. I am not want to invent and add extra things. So what was Ibn Masood really saying? Because if Rasulullah couldn't just talk of the kuf, what are you doing? And this is why it's important that you don't. Because if Rasulullah was stopped, then who are we? Of course, he was protected. But the fact that Allah Ta'ala has mentioned that in the Quran, because tell them this. In conclusion, it then comes as no wonder to learn that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud he loved to be away from the masses and their frequent questioning. And this is very important. To keep away from people, if it's done with the correct intention, is an act of piety. <laughs> ibn Mas'ud didn't like to be with people because they are obviously they turned to him. Rulings, you know, and he didn't like to give rulings. For instance, he said, I was once at a place called Salaf when Abdullah ibn Mas'ud came to visit me. So I believe Salaf is where our beloved mother Maimuna is buried. It's a few miles outside of Makkah. So this Ta'abeen, because I came there and ibn Mas'ud came to visit. My family members then brought something for him. My own servants who looked after his camels also brought a bird which they had caught at a place four days journey from there. So what happened was he was an honored guest. So they wanted to show more affection and love to him. So some of the servants, they actually got this delicacy, a bird. And that bird was the place to catch this bird was four days journey. So you're talking about 50 miles or maybe more than that. Upon seeing it, Ibn Mas'ud said, From where have you brought this bird for me? Mm. So I replied, My servant brought it from a place where a man reaches in four days. Sayyidina Abdullah, thereupon, he said with a deep sigh, Ah, would that I was also there at that place where this bird was caught, so that no one could talk with me, nor could I talk with anyone, till I could meet my Lord. <laughs> this is in Tabarani, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 10, page 304, comments upon the chain of narrators, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 260, to one of the New English translation, Ibn Asakir, Kanzul Omal, volume 2, page 159, related similar. So let's look at this. So they were honoring their guest, the Prophet, Famously said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Sayyid Bukhari, He who believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the last day, 
let him honor his guest. So guests are different. Some are normal laymen, some are ulama. So obviously you, you show more love and respect to the ulama. If Ibn Masood is your guest, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna put out the royal copy for him. So they did. So when he asked, where did you get this bird from? <laughs> so they said, and they they didn't want to, they were asked, so he had to tell me, because four days journey, my servant got it. <laughs> now this is the strange response. Abdullah what was straight away went through his blessed mind. He goes, if only I was at that place. Nobody talked to me. No, I talked to anybody until I died. Now, what is that highlighting? He's highlighting something very important. Where you are alone, you're safe. Nobody books you. Let me ask you a question. Where are the old years? So what's the simple response to that? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. So what's the following question? These are the greatest people on the earth. What do you mean nobody? Why, why don't we know where they are? So that's when you get a bit confused. You go, oh, brother, look, I don't know. This. So here's one response. You say, oh, the old years don't like mixing. They don't want to talk to anybody and they don't want people to talk to them. Why? Because of their taqwa. They fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Similarly, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he saw a person, and this person was hurt. You know, he could tell people when they're upset. So he saw him. And he says, are you upset? And he goes, yes. So, <laughs> Abdullah ibn Abbas, said, If you don't mix with people, you won't get hurt. This is in Tabarai. So what was he saying to that? What was he saying to that man? He goes, who hurt you? Didn't even ask. Somebody's basically doing you over. Says a few words, wrong words, this, that. He goes, so what if you didn't mix? You wouldn't have got hurt. So we're our own worst enemies. We just mix. I'll put you in contact. Yeah, another one in contact. Right? You want me? I'll put you on as well, brother. Then what happens? Another person can stab you. So this is the way we look at things. Not that you're looking down on this. Why? Because they believe because I don't want to talk to them. Meaning I'm you know, I feel I'm harming them as well. One of the Oliyas, Rahmatullah, he was kept he kept away from the people. This is in Imam Ghazali's Ikhya. Because why are you keeping away from the people? So he said, I'm a dog. So the person goes. I don't understand. He goes, I, it's better for me not to mix. I harm people. So look at the purity. He didn't leave thinking I'm a very holy person. I'm on the next level. These bachari don't know left from right. Look how pure the money was. He went, it's better for me not to get mixed with these people. I'm nothing but harm. I'm radioactive. Now let's go back to the earlier. Why are they hidden? See, we don't understand our deal. You know, people say, well, why? They should have a, you know, a mobile phone. Right? They should have a, you know, a website. They should have, you know, ask theolia.com. Right? Listen, you don't realize these people. How do you find them? Good question. The Prophet said in Ibn Asakir Hassan Hadith, only the nobles recognize the nobles. So if you want to find them, you've got to go to the most pious people. They will guide you that way. So you don't know who the pious people are. You think, right, okay, let's go to Sheikh. I think he's pious. 
Sheikh, look, I know you don't, but just tell me where the, the most pious people are. He directs you one way. And if you're that interested, go and go to that person. Then you go to that person and say, look, I've come all the way from Sheffield, England. Sheffield, I'm looking for the, you know, Abdal. Anywhere you can. And eventually you might find him. But guess what? When he sees you, he might not, you know, he's thinking, oh no. But I think about it, you know, this, this is how pure they are. Where's the precedent set? Time of the Prophet said, Abdullah ibn Masood wasn't happy that he was giving fatwa. He was scared to death. Right? And he goes, I wish I was there. He might just live my life. Nobody nagging me. The reason for this wish, self-evident, in addition to fulfill Amir al-Mu'mineen, Umar's instruction. What did Umar radiallahu say? Adopt solitude. Adopt solitude. This is an Ahmed in his Zuhd, Ibn Hiban, Askari, half his Waki in his Zuhd, 2-517, Sahih, Kanzul Omal, volume 2, page 159, Fattal Bari, volume 11, page 262, Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 2, page 728. So what did Amir al-Mu'minin say? Adopt solitude. Does that mean you become a monk? No. What it means is, take your share of solitude. You get ill with people. Right? Think about that. You get ill. People make you ill. What did Allah the Almighty and Glorious instruct His beloved to do after mixing with people? In Surah Sharh. When you have finished, i.e. interacting with others, resume your toil and seek your Lord with all eagerness. So what did Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, instruct His beloved, the most God-fearing creation? Mix with the people. When you've done your duty, retire. Worship me in solitude. So now that's in the Quran. Are we like the dust of the Prophet? No, no, I'm going to mix. Then what? I'm going to keep on mixing. Because then you're going to do no, the mix, right? you like, you'll end up losing everything. You don't mix with people. Keep away from them. Say, look, you know, there's a time and a place. I, I, brother, I just need my time to myself. I need time to myself. And even people say that, you know. It's, so what does that tell you? People naturally drain you. There's a drain they put upon you. How do you recharge the batteries? You worship. And the worship here, the scholars say, was tahajjid. The Prophet would offer lengthy tahajjids with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to recharge his batteries. Somebody goes, I'm mixing and I'm not doing tajid. <laughs> You're nuclear, brother. So such was just a glimpse into the awesome taqwa of this most exalted man, radiallahu And we beg our loving Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala, also for such a most treasured state. Amen. So all I mentioned today was again a glimpse into the great piety and taqwa of this exalted man, radiallahu And learning a few of the important rulings in the process. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi, subhanakallahumma bihamdi, kashlu la ilaha illa anta astaghfirullah katu balaika utubu lahim nashid anjim, subhanallah rabbika rabbil izzati amma isifun, assalamu alayhi wa rahmatullahi 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 wa r